Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your host, Ryan. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash critacademy. They have over 180,000 different titles for you to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, and MP3 player. Visit audibletrial.com slash critacademy for your free book today. We'd like to take a second to let you know how you can help support our show and become and become our heroes. The easiest way is to become a Patreon. The easiest way is to become a patron. Swing on over to patreon.com slash critacademy and join us. You get all kinds of neat features like behind-the-scene access. You get to join us during our live recordings before we edit out all the digressing and bullshit that we fuck around doing. Um... You can also head on over to our affiliate links uh, on our website and subscribe to our show. Mm-hmm. Um, clicking on the affiliate links takes you right to Amazon, and we kind of get a small kickback just for you using their links. Yep. Uh, we have a rotating tool of the week that I change regularly that's always something different, so it's always worth checking out. And then, uh, Or you can just head on over to iTunes or your favorite, any one of the hosts that we have, and give us a five-star rating review. Well, I hope a five-star rated review. Yeah. <laughs> if not a review, let us know what we're doing great and what we're doing poorly, and then we'll just, you know, cry. Or you can just give us a like and a share and follow us on our social social media, Facebook, Twitter. That's about it. That's it. <laughs> I don't have Instagram or anything. I don't no even, Snapchat. I'm too old. I don't know how to do that. Um, but that's it. But. We'd like to thank you for joining us today at Academy Studios, where everything is made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like a barbarian without his loincloth. We would like to take a moment to thank our fellowship member, Goblinstone. Thanks to them, all of Crit Nation has a chance to win a wonderful prize each and every week. Each episode, we will be drawing one lucky subscriber's name, and they're going to win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned. Goblinstone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to be published. Be sure to head on over to goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link at our website at www.critacademy.com. Today's winner for the Goblinstone giveaway is Red Reed Wolf. Congratulations, Red Reed. Red Reed Wolf. I'm sorry, what? Red Reed Wolf. Hey, I did it. Congratulations. Uh, we hope you enjoy your adventure. Let us know what you think about it. And more importantly, let Goblinstone know what you think about it. Absolutely. Congratulations. So, on this week's show, first we're going to hear back from Redditor Sir Spy Crab about an idea for how to play a certain character. Then we're going to move on to our main topic. We're going to talk about one of the new Unearthed Arcana releases where. Then we're going to move on to our main topic, where we talk about one of the new Unearthed Arcana releases, talking about racial feats. Then we'll have our fourth and final segment, our Unearthed Tips and Tricks. But before all of that, let's hear a bit about what's going on in the realm. So I got to see a new release 1080p version of Phantom Dust last night, oh and God. I about lost my <laughs> shit, dude. I cannot tell you how excited I am for this. If you don't know what Phantom Dust is, you're a scrub. Um, it's a very unknown game that only like 70,000 copies were released in America. 
it's a third-person action combat game where you your characters have these very unique skills, uh, spells, and mm-hmm. it's very reaction-based. You cast a fireball, arcs around a pillar, the other person has to press a defense skill just before it impacts it to block it. So it's very reaction and resource management because you have so much energy that recovers over time. And it's kind of also a card battle system where you build your deck outside the game, but once you go into combat, they're not cards anymore. They're physical skills and abilities you can use, whether your character can jump and fly through the air, turn invisible, shoot fireballs, shoot lasers, swing flaming swords. It's very much an amazing uh, arena fighter. So I've been super stoked. I've been playing that game for 14 years since it came out. I still have two copies of the game. So to see it in 1080p... Mm-hmm. Which is amazing because it's the original assets, which means they had wow. to completely cut down the graphics for the Xbox when it came out, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, so that's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, even, even on my 360 when I'm playing it right now, it looks damn good. It was way above its above ahead of its time. So yeah, Phantom Dust is coming out. <laughs> Definitely Google that shit because when it comes out, you will not see me anymore. Yeah, actually, some of my friends. I was gonna go see Guardians of the Galaxy. That was amazing too. My friends went and saw it without me. They're horrors. Because on set on Sunday, because we kind of had that misunderstanding with, I swore that was next week, and then I don't know why my text didn't go through to you. But yeah, I took um, a screenshot. I'm like, I don't know. What yeah, the fuck you sent he's me the screenshot. About. Yeah, I, I told him my you wife. sent me like, the screenshot. Me I was like, huh? Shit, I don't know what he's talking about. But uh, my group of friends, we they were going on Sunday, and they went at four, and I was like, well, I have a dinner for my supervisor who's leaving, and <laughs> I was like. Uh, so I have to go to that. So and it's free food. I'm not gonna turn free food down. Um, if you guys wait till like a six or six thirty showing, I can make it. And they, gonna, they didn't wait for you, did they? My one friend, the one that I've been hanging out with, was like, "Yeah, let's wait for him." And everyone was like, "Nah, let's just go for." Like, you guys suck. <laughs> like he can come to dinner with us afterwards. I'm like, I'm eating dinner now. <laughs> <laughs> and this is free food, so you know I'm gonna eat a shit ton. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, it was a good movie. It really was amazing. Yeah, probably, probably one of the best Marvel movies out right now. That's what I've heard. So it's definitely hilarious. Um, definitely go see it. That is in the realm. Now moving on to uh, let's talk about blank. We hear back from redditor uh, Sir Spy Crab. My party and I recently found the deck of many things. I drew the idiot card and the star card. The idiot card leaves me with an int of five. I chose to use the star card to increase my twenty wisdom to twenty-two. Any advice on playing a character that with ridiculous wisdom and abysmal intelligence? Um, I I guess I'd kind of picture it as like a like a Rain Man. Oh, maybe. But I think you would classify him as intelligent. I guess Rain Man's no not wisdom. Rain Man's not like radio. Radio is like so he was a he was a savant who you know how there's like a lot of times savants are very good at one thing. Mm-hmm. The thing he was very good at was working with radios yeah, we've never seen the movie it's kind of a sports movie um so i don't know your character could be maybe just in general very very unintelligent but there's that one thing that he's very 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 skilled at yeah i envision you know wisdom some of the big things that come with wisdom are like in high insight so yeah. your ability to tell something's fishy so if somebody's lying to the group you may not understand what he's saying but you would be able to tell that what he's saying is got some secrets behind it or that he's hiding something. Or you may not be able to know how to crawl up into a burning building to save a, a person, 
but you may know to run and get somebody who could. Right. You know, I think that's that seem that's a very challenging yeah. thing because often people I think correlate the, I think the, the flip things. would actually be a lot easier. Yeah, I agree. Low wisdom and high intelligence. Right. Because yeah. it could just be like a super eccentric, like a Sherlock Holmes type person. Right, right. Who has like no sense of like social interaction. But like. Isn't that more charisma though? Uh, insight is being able to like read people. Yeah. Or like wisdom is like being able to read people. But and that stuff. also has to do directly with your ability to intake stuff. Like to n- spot noticeable things, which is a Sherlock yeah, Holmes thing. I guess, yeah, it's, it's very cha- it's very challenging. They, so I can understand kind of a mix. struggle. Yeah, yeah, they kind of mix. I can understand a struggle. Uh, I come back to that. You don't have to know that the words somebody's saying in order to know that they're lying to you or right. that they're hiding something. If uh, so, intelligence is more of a measure on like the amount of information you have in your hand in your head. And your ability to be able to think about things. And wisdom is more of a measure of your intuition and being able to sense things, kind of. Yeah, because, you know, wisdom is tied to, like, your ability to pay attention to things. Right. You don't have to... I think, like, if you... Like, like in a, a classic example of someone who would have high wisdom and low intelligence would be, like, the dumb jock who's, like, an amazing star quarterback... Because he's got, because you know, a part of sports in general is being able to have that intuition and that insight of reading a situation and being able to understand what's going on. But in the stereotypical movie trope, they're always really dumb and uh, right, what's right. math. It's a hard so one. <laughs> maybe I mean, maybe your guy, your player, or your character is really good at reading the situation, but not good at being able to like actually. Like articulate the words to describe like what he thinks is wrong with the situation, or maybe not. Maybe sometimes he just doesn't realize like you know, if he if he senses that this guy's lying to you. Well, maybe instead of actually like just trying to like be quiet about it and try to like work in like subterfuge, like most players would, maybe he'll just be like, "You're lying." <laughs> <laughs> well. And even outside of that, let's say that because you have a high wisdom, you're very perceptive, and you're walking down a hall and you spot a a tripwire. You may not necessarily be able to correlate that to it's a tripwire, uh, a tripwire, but you can point it out. You can yeah, say, "Hey, okay, look at yeah, that." That's a really good example. Yeah, you could see you could you'd be really good at noticing things and finding things. You just don't really know what they mean, right? Or why they're there. You know, if you see. Like seeing a collection of patterns. Yeah. You'd say, hey, look, they're all the same. Yeah, or if you see, like, some kind of, like, little small trinket that has a really small, like, intricate, like, crest carved into it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to know what the hell that crest means, what its origins are, if it has any ties to any organizations or anything, but you're going to find it. Yeah, maybe somebody else overlooked that little detail, and you can point it out. Hey, look at this. You might not know what this is, right? but you're able to say, hey, take a look. Yeah. What do you think about smart this? Smart people. Yeah, smart people. Come and tell me what this means. Yeah. Um, I that's think a that's hard pro- question. Yeah, that's a really hard question. It's a good one. Um, I don't know that I have the perfect answer, but if I was to play a character like this, I would be the guy, hey, guys, hey, guys, look look what I found. Look what I found. It's a button on the floor, you know? 
it's a tri- it might be just a, a pressure switch, yeah. but if nobody else saw that, I don't know that. Hey, look at guys, I'm gonna push it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you- I see it, and then trip the trip the trip the trap. So that's a really good question. I hope we touched on it, but honestly, that's very challenging. Yeah. So I hope that uh, if anybody listening has any good responses to this, please let us know. Yeah. I'd love to hear other people's thoughts because this is really was a challenging one for us. So thank you for your question, redditor Sir Spy Crab. Yes. So that brings us to our main topic, which is one of the recent Unearthed Arcana playtests, um, Feats for Races. So we're going to... There's a lot of them here, so we're not going <laughs> to spend a lot, lot of time on each of them. Yeah. We're just going to kind of briefly touch over them. Uh, one of the cool ones, or well, the first one, which I actually think is a pretty cool one, is Barbed Hide. Yes. And it's for tieflings. And what it does is increases your constitution or charisma score by a maximum of one, by one up to 20. And as a bonus action, you can cause small barbs to come out all over your body and you can cause them to retract. So it's kind of like cat's claws, except they're all over your body. And ching, ching, I was ching, thinking more ching. like a porcupine type thing. Yeah, that too. Um, and at the start of each of your turns, while they're out, you deal, you deal 1d6 piercing damage to any creature that's grappling you or that is grappled by you. Yes, I love it. And you also gain proficiency proficiency in the intimidation skill or expertise in it. I love the idea of just hugging people and killing and them. <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy like that in one of the X-Men movies, you're wasn't You're kind there? of like a walking Iron Maiden. Yes, yes. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, yeah there was an X-Men guy in the, yeah. the X-Men movie that did that. He hugged the woman and all the little thorns came out of him and stuff. I've, that, that to me, is awesome, especially as a guy likes to grapple people. Yeah. That allows my very defensive mechanic... To actually do damage. To do damage and inflict damage. And if I'm holding two different people, I can do it to two people. So, very cool. Now, obviously, it's not a huge damage pusher, but that's okay. Yep. So, the second one is Bountiful Luck, which is one of my personal favorites. Um, broken. It is very broken. That's why I like it. It's for halflings, as you could probably guess, because they have the luck. Um, anytime any ally within 30 feet of you that you can see rolls a 1 on the d20, they get to re-roll it. So it's basically luck, except it applies to your friends that are around you. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh... There's not much to be said about that one. It's just really strong. That's a really awesome one. Eh? The fact that you can give it to other people is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Hey, 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 you, uh, you know what? Can you imagine having that ability and just choosing not to help people? Right. <laughs> and you have to remember that, like, there's no like a limit to how many times you can do it. I mean you can do it once per round because it uses your reaction right but that's it other than that you can like it's not like oh you can only use it once per short rest once per long rest it's almost like it's very rare that two people are going to roll a one in the same round yeah and it, I mean it happens it almost prevents uh, critical failures yeah I mean, pretty much that's pretty phenomenal. especially if you're at a table where you know you have actual like serious repercussions for once like a lot of tables don't a lot of people you know DMs just it's, it's a failure but like right. you weapons break Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Rotor, ask him. He knows. <laughs> he knows all about weapons breaking. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very cool. Um, the next one we have is Critter Friend. The prerequisite is the gnome. Uh, forest gnome. Forest gnome, forest specifically. specifically. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, your friendship with animals mystically deepens, and you gain the following benefits. You gain proficiency in animal handling skill. If you're already proficient, you pretty much get expertise because you get to double it. You also learn the speak with animal spell, and you can cast it at will. Without expending spell slots. That's pretty awesome. And you also learn the animal friendship spell. And you can cast it once with this feat. Without expending a spell slot. You also regain the ability to cast this, uh, cast it in this way when you finish a long rest. Intelligence is your 
spellcasting modifier. So this is giving you access to two spells and proficiency in animal handling, which is pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, yeah. Especially if you can speak with animals At whenever. Will spells too, yeah. That's pretty awesome because regardless of the campaign, you're always running into beasts. And yeah. being able to try to speak with them and negotiate with them is pretty helpful. Yeah. So the next three feats are for Dragonborn. And they are Dragon Fear, Dragon Hide, and Dragon Wings. Dragon Fear allows you to increase your strength or charisma, choice your choice, up by one, up to a maximum of 20. And instead of exhaling destructive energy, you can roar and expend a use of your breath weapon to force each creature of your choice within 30 feet of you to make a wisdom saving throw, which the target, if they can't see or hear you, they automatically succeed. But if they fail the save, they become frightened for a minute. Intimidating shout. Yeah, basically. That's exactly what it is. Instead of, yeah, breathing on fire, it's it's a roar. This is a potential powerful uh, control spell. Yeah. If you don't have a lot of, you don't have a control wizard or somebody to manipulate a lot of enemies, this is a good way to do it. And it also takes a combat ability and gives it somewhat of a non-combat use. Yeah, a utility support. Yeah, Yeah. well, you could use it out of combat, too. Yeah, if you're talking to to a noble and start just like, what, you're going to talk smack to me? Roar, you know? Or even to prevent combat. Like, if, if you've, Got like muggers or bandits that are trying to. I mean, yeah, and they just fucking hightail it out of there. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. That hurt. What the roaring? Yeah. <laughs> um. So then, as I mentioned, we have dragon hide. Not as in hiding in stealth, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dragon hide. There's no comma there. Um, <laughs> again, increase your strength or charisma by one, and you grow retractable claws from the tips of your fingers. So you got like a little Wolverine go- thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it requires no action to extend or retract them. And they're natural weapons, which you can use to make unarmed strikes. And if you hit with them, you deal slashing damage equal to 1d4 plus your strength modifier. And that's kind of cool because it's slashing damage instead of the normal bludgeoning damage that unarmed strikes are. Right, right. And in, in addition to that, completely different, um, your scales harden. You gain plus one bonus to your AC if your you're AC not wearing goes armor. Up, which is pretty awesome. So it's really good if you're... It's only when you're not wearing armor. I think this would be an awesome build for a monk. Or a barbarian, even. Or a barbarian. Well, yeah. I was thinking monk because you get to add... Uh, when you use your oh, claws, yeah. you get to add your strength modifier. I wonder if that would stack. Because you get to add your dex modifier uh, as a monk, but in this case, you get to add your strength because you're using right. retracted claws. Huh. Or if that would fall into the category of a choice of the DM. But either way, I think that can make for an interesting strength strength build for a uh, a monk. A monk, yeah. So yeah, dragon hide. Yep, and then dragon wings, which is one of my personal favorites. Again, uh, so there's a actually in a uh, what's the a feature of the dragon bloodline sorcerer yes that they get dragon wings at like level seven, 14 is it 14 or 16 yeah something like that yeah at, that? at level 14 and uh this essentially lets you get that whenever you take this feat as long as you're a dragonborn um you sprout draconic wings and with your wings you have a flying speed of 20 feet if you aren't wearing heavy armor and aren't c- exceeding your carrying capacity yeah flying is awesome flying plus ranged equals destruction yeah. Rain destruction upon your foes. Especially if you're like a sorcerer or something. Yeah. Well, I guess that would, this probably wouldn't be the best thing to take if you're a sorcerer, but like a wizard or something, or maybe like a wild magic sorcerer even. Yeah, something that's not tied to the draconic one. But even then, you get it. You can get it at level four. Right. 
so you definitely can get it at level four. I can that that flying. I actually had a discussion with. Uh, I think we we did. We had a, a discussion with Rontrick about how his group doesn't allow flying mm. because it's so complex. And I'm just like, that's one of the best parts of the game. So the next uh, feat that we have is for the Drow. Now I personally don't have a lot of Drows in my group. The first character I ever played was a Drow. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah with the, even with the the penalties in daylight, huh? They never. It was Paul DMing, so he never really. Yeah, he probably didn't even know. Enforced them. So with Drow High Magic, you get to learn uh, more of the spells typical for your people. Specifically, you get to where's that tag? You get to learn Detect Magic as Uh, an at will spell. That's pretty baller. Yeah, yeah. So you learn Detect Magic, and you can cast it at will. So as a cantrip, so it doesn't use any spell slots. And you also learn Levitate and Dispel Magic each of which you can cast once without using a spell slot, um, once per long rest, which is awesome. Yeah. It's free spells. Anytime you get free spells, especially utility spells, they're always of value. Um, especially if you're not already a caster. Yeah. You know, if you are if you happen to be like a, a drow well, warrior, or, or not warrior, but drow fighter, or a drow ranger or something, where you're not really using magic or a rogue. Because um, yeah, drow already have a couple of spells that they learn. They learn dancing light and darkness, I think. Well, yeah, it's an at will, so you cast it as a cantrip. Yeah, but I was making sure that the 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 detect magic didn't have a casting time. Oh, okay, okay. So, because when you cast it as a ritual, it takes ten minutes. Right. Yeah. Um. So that's a pretty huge advantage. Is that because you get to cast it at will, and it doesn't stipulate as a ritual, you can cast it as an action. Yeah, which means you can constantly be out on the just casting it repeatedly, sending out like a magic sonar to detect for bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> or, or magic. <laughs> I'm gonna cast detect bullshit. <laughs> so yeah, very I think cool. That's called insight. <laughs> um. The next uh, feat is for the dwarf. It's called dwarf resilience. You have the blood of dwarf heroes flowing through your veins. You gain the following benefits. You get to increase your constitution score by one up to twenty. Whenever you take the dodge action in combat, you can spend one hit die to heal yourself. Roll the die, add your con modifier, and regain a number of hit points equal to the total. Minimum of one. Heal on will? Hell yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously it has limits because it uses your hit die, but it's another it's still an oh pretty shit awesome. Button. It's an yep. oh shit button. Well, and taking the dodge action means people have disadvantage to strike. Yeah, you're already preventing some damage, and then... So, I can imagine a very stout dwarf just walking in and blocking a doorway and taking the dodge action (laughs) and healing himself. So, as he's dodging out of the way and they're poking and prodding, he's healing up. I mean, that sounds like very fun and a great ability for like a... uh, Well, let's say a grappler. Because you can grapple someone and then take the dodge action and heal while you've got somebody locked down. Yeah. I can see that being used for a lot of cool stuff like that. So next is Elven Accuracy, and you have to be an elf or a half-elf. Um, and you increase your dexterity by 1 up to 20, and anytime you have advantage on an attack roll, one of the die you can re-roll. So you essentially get three rolls, and you take the highest. I think it's better than people are going to assume, because you know, a lot of people, if they have this, you know, they'd roll, oh, I got a 17 and an 18. Well, they both hit, so I'm not going to re-roll it. But if you re-roll that 17, maybe you get a 20. You never know. Yeah, you're increasing like, your chance to crit, yeah, too. Always. I mean, your chance to hit, your chance to crit, I mean, chance to trigger any effects. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Right. Um, I am surprised that it doesn't stipulate, like, a bow or something, though. I would... 
Right. I would expect it to be like a ranged, uh, ranged attack or something. Because yeah. it, it says you gain uncanny aim. Well, I guess you can aim with your sword, yeah. I guess. The next feat is everybody's friend. Prerequisite is the half-elf. You develop your magnetic personality to ease your way through the world. You gain the following benefits. Increase your charisma score by one up to a max of 20. You gain proficiency in deception and persuasion. If you already have it, you gain expertise in it, and you can double it for any uh, checks you make with those skills. That is powerful. You become a very great hider. You can hide in plain sight. You can become a master of all, um, master of disguises, you know, constantly changing your persona and bluffing your way into maybe into like a uh, a king's uh, military operation. Princess's bedchambers. Princess's bedchambers. That <laughs> <laughs> got weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm a weird guy. So, yeah. next we have Fade Away, <laughs> which is a feat for gnomes. And you can uh, increase your intelligence by 1 up to 20. And anytime you take damage, you can use your reaction to magically become invisible until the end of your next turn. Or until you attack, deal damage, or force someone to make a saving throw. Once you use this ability, you can't do so again until you finish a short rest. Short rest. Yeah, short rest. That's awesome. Yeah. Basically, like... Assassin much? Yeah. You, you become can, an invisible stalker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's only for one turn, but, like, you can really... Yeah, With assassinate, it only take one, right? Right. Because think about it. If you're getting an invisibility, you're an unseen attacker, which means you have advantage. Now, what are the other stipulations on assassinate? Was there other stipulations? They have to be surprised. And any time you attack from... You, that you have to attack them before they've taken a turn in the combat. Ah, uh, which they or if they're surprised. Done, right? Yeah, or if they're surprised. But if you are a rogue, this, this will trigger your sneak attack. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. Because anytime you have advantage on an attack, you get sneak attack. <laughs> <laughs> that is way less cool. I okay. think it's more of an escape thing. Yeah, run and hide, run and yeah. hide. So next you have Fey Teleportation, which yes. is for high elves. And it allows you to increase your intelligence by 1 up to 20. And you learn the Misty Step spell and can cast it once per long rest, or once per short rest, without expending a spell slot. Yes, I love the Eladrin in 4th edition because I love the ability to teleport and encounter. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is the same Misty thing. Misty Step's just a fun spell. Yeah, uh, tell all, just a perfect example. Blink. Of all my players who just get out of my grapples, that get out of sticky situations because they can just, oh, I Misty don't want to be here no more. Poof, I'm over there. Yeah, <laughs> 20 feet that way. It's great for surprise. It's great for stealth. It's great for escape. I mean, it just has a multi... I really shouldn't open that door. I actually like... It just has a multitude of... I like using this. I don't know. I like the idea of using this on, again, like a rogue and using it to teleport above them and fall down on top fall of down them. on top of them. That would be pretty baller. Yeah. Very cool. Definitely uh, recommend Fey Teleportation. Yes. Um, next, we have Flames of Plegathos, which I'll let you guess what race this is for. Clearly the human. Yeah, clearly. Um, well, in a way, tieflings were once human. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Their ancestors made packs with demons, <laughs> yeah. right? So um, the prerequisite is, in fact, the tiefling. Yep. It increases your intelligence or charisma up by 1 up to 20. Whenever you roll fire damage for a spell you cast, you can reroll any one on the fire damage die. But you have to use the new roll, even if it is another one. Um, which, this actually pairs pretty well when you take into fact that they are allowed to use hellish rebuke, rebuke once per long rest. 
yeah. at will or without expending a spell slot. Right. And whenever you cast a spell that deals fire damage, you can cause flames to wreath you until the end of your next turn. The flames don't harm you or your possessions, and they shed bright light out to 30 feet and dim light for an additional 30 feet. While the flames are present, any creature within 5 feet of you that hits you with a melee attack takes 1d4 fire damage. Mind you, it's not any time you cast a spell that deals fire damage that hits. It's any time you cast it. Yeah. Hit or miss. You get wreathed in fire and can burn enemies alive. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very great defensive spell. Um, yeah. It deals damage and punishes people for striking you. That's yeah. pretty awesome. And um, you can this would be good with like a paladin build. I would. I actually like the idea of using this as like a an intimidation type thing. Oh, nice! And yeah, it has like a firebolt and just burst into flames. Yeah, what are you gonna do now, punk? Yeah, <laughs> be careful what you wish for, <laughs> punk. Kind of like a super saiyan type thing where yeah. the fire just burning. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I definitely that's very cool. I definitely could see using that saying, "Hey, can I you know shoot a firebolt and just burst into flames and try to intimidate this person?" Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a lot of fun. Like I think a Ragnaros thing going on. Yeah, and I think this would be cool without like a caster class. Uh, a really good example would be like the Eldritch Knight build. You know, you can cast a cantrip and attack and wreath in flames all at once. All right, draw everyone's attention. That could, so that could be a little bit of fun. Yep, so next we have Grudgebearer, which belongs to the Dwarf. Of course. And uh, what it does is it allows you to use your deep hatred for a particular type of creature. <laughs> Racism. Um, uh, aberrations, beasts, celestials, constructs, dragons, elementals, fays, fiends, giants, monstrosities, oozes, plants, or undead. And Or you can choose between two different races of humanoids, like gnolls, orcs, dragonkin. Those uh, those aren't humanoids. That was dumb. Nulls, orcs, humans, uh, elves, gnomes, etc. And you gain the following benefits. You increase your strength, constitution, or wisdom by 1 up to 20. And during the first of any round of combat against your chosen foe, your attack rolls against any of them have advantage. When any of your chosen foes makes an op attack against you, they make that attack roll with disadvantage. And whenever you make an intelligence check to recall information about your chosen foes, you add double your, double your proficiency bonus to the check, even if you aren't normally proficient. Wow, that's pretty cool. So <laughs> that helps if some uh, for those things that if you don't have proficiency in it. Exactly, and it's this is this to me feels like a little bit of a different version of like the ranger's favorite enemy. Yes, it's almost like a lesser version, though I would think. Lesser in some ways, and better in some ways, okay. I think. And it's very fitting to the roleplay of a dwarf because ro- dwarves generally do have like ancient grudges yeah. and are very low key racist. <laughs> it's not even low. key. I was gonna say They're it's not low key at all. This is racist. <laughs> the next feat is human determination because you know humans are filled with determination that allows them to draw the unreachable within their reach. Wonder who thought that one up. Uh, they get to increase any ability score of their choice by one to a maximum of 20. And when you make an attack roll, ability check, or a saving throw, you can do so with advantage. Once you use this ability, you can't use it again until you finish a short or long rest. Well, oh, wait. Uh, I can just grant advantage on any one check I want? Yep. Oh, I just... I did. Oh, I rolled a one and there's no halfling in here to give me lucky? <laughs> I'll just I'm gonna roll another die if that's okay with you. Oh, it's not okay with you. Well, my feet so feature Especially says if I can you do have it. Like the luck or the lucky feet. Yes, I love the OP. You can mix that this with that. It can be a lot. I can imagine really and have a halfling in your group. You'd never roll a one ever. Your weapon does not break. You do not bust an arm. You do not. <laughs> so yeah, definitely, it gives you a little bit more control over your character's fate and success. Right. 
and some of that's a big deal. If you're trying to do a very elaborate stunt, this is something that can ensure that it succeeds if the DM doesn't just right. give it to you. As a DM, I could I could see me telling a player they have to choose to get have advantage before they roll. Or at least before I tell them what the outcome is. So, you know, if they roll like a 15 and they're not sure if that's going to be good enough, mm, do you want to use it or no? Like, I'm not going to tell you if it hit or not. Yeah, I can, I can yeah. see that. I can see that. So, yeah, but it, once again, it does give a bit of uh, control of their own fate in their hands. Yeah. And I definitely think that that is worth a million feet points or yeah. ability score increases, whatever you want to call it. Um, the next uh, feat that we have here is called Internal Constitution. This is a prerequisite for the Tiefling. Fiendish blood runs strong in you, and you gain the following benefits. You get to increase your con by 1, up to 20, and you have resistance to cold and poison damage. You also have advantage on saving throws against being poisoned. So now on top of already being resistant to fire, you're now resistant to cold and poison. Those are some of the most common forms of damage. Mm -hmm. And being able to take half damage on that, that's pretty awesome. And having advantage on saving throws against being poisoned? Hell yeah. Yeah. Especially kind of, if you use really bad poisons that fuck up your players. Especially if you take this and you build like a, a tiefling barbarian build, where then when you go into rage, you're, you have resistance against like bludging, piercing, and slashing damage. Yep. And you now, have resistance to almost everything. Yeah, because you're going to have fire from being a tiefling, cold, and poison. Yeah. Of unless you're getting hit with like lightning damage. <laughs> <laughs> but th- those are some of the more common damage types too. Yeah. Like... So Very fire, common, yeah. fire is the most common, right? Yeah, I'd say cold is probably right after that. Right, and then followed by uh, lightning. and then I think poison is pretty common, but I think the bigger thing would become the saving throws against poisons yeah. because some of the poisons out there, especially when you get to higher levels, can really can destroy your up. characters. Yeah, yeah. and like eye, rot, eye sight rot. Sight rot. Sight rot, yeah. yeah. Where you go blind. I don't want to be poisoned by that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> especially when you need to go on a quest to get a cure for it. <laughs> Um, yep. So the next uh, feat is the Orcish Aggression for the Half-Orc. Charge! <laughs> As a bonus action, you can move up to your speed forward towards your enemy of your choice that you can see or hear. You must end this move closer to the enemy than you started. Mo- extend my range of movement? Yeah. I'll take it. Especially in like a chase? Yeah, chase scenes or just in if you like to, uh, once again, I'm... I'm going to keep coming back to the grappler because that's the most char- recent character I've built. Grappling somebody and able, being able to run long distances, um, right. closing the gap between two people. Especially because yeah. what this kind of allows you to do is something that the rogues can actually do a lot. Yep. It's triple move. Yep. You can use your movement action, then you can move, use your attack action to move, and now you can use your bonus action to move. That's a lot of range. Especially if you're, I think an orc's, half orc's move speed is 30, right? I believe so. Yeah, so it's 90 feet in a turn. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome, especially if you're more of a uh, a heavy armor type person with yeah. a big giant great axe. If anything, you can move twice and still get your attacks. attack, or if you're a or fighter, ultra attacks. Action, yeah. yeah, which is pretty awesome. Um, anytime you can close the gap between uh, magic users is always fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of envision Hulk with a giant axe chasing somebody down. <laughs> Um, so next is Orcish Fury, which is also for the half-orc. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> you increase your strength or constitution by 1 up to 20. Anytime you hit with an attack made with a simple or martial weapon, you can roll one of the weapon's damage dice an additional time and add it as extra damage of the whip- weapon's damage type. 
Uh, you can do it once per short or long rest. And immediately after you use your Relentless Endurance trait, you can use your reaction to make one weapon attack. And what Relentless Endurance is, is it's an, uh, a feature that half-orcs get that when you drop to zero hit points, you make a you instead drop to one hit point. Yeah. So it's kind of like a right before you die oh, kind of. Yeah. Um, I kind just, of en- I kind of envision that as somebody gives you the final blow, and you don't go down. You have steal your resolve, and you can really uh, you and uh, you see it in the movies where somebody like thrusts the blade through somebody, and they expect them to die, and they're like, and they somehow like manage to just like do the final one blow. last thing, and then uh, yeah, before over. they kill over. Yeah. So that kind of is what that reminds yeah, me of just, a little you're bit. You kind of like fighting on that like last thread of life and you know the previous one you mentioned you know rolling an extra damage die most of the time if you're in uh some sort of orc build you're probably running great swords or great axes a great axe extra roll that's huge well and something like this is really good to take when okay so it increases your strength of your constitution by one already not so a normal ability score increase increases lets you increase something by two but if you're let's say your strength is sitting at like a 19 mm-hmm if you take this, you're getting that extra increase by moving your strength up to the 20, and you're getting that that modifier bonus, right. and you're also getting this extra ability. So those are the real, those are really the times when using feats like this can be really, really helpful. It's because you're still getting the bonus for getting the ability score increase, and you're getting something else with it. Right, and anytime you can gain something additional without losing, because really, when you go to that oddball number, that odd number like mm-hmm. a 17, you really don't get a whole lot out of it. Right. Um, this allows you to kind of offset that. Instead of taking two points into one and ending up at a 19, you, you make sure you can go up. You can still go from 17 to 18, get that extra modifier, and, and then also, right. hey, by the way, I can add additional damage to my attack, and when I'm about to die, I still can wreck shit. Yep. So the next... Uh, Prodigy. Yeah. Which is just a really good one. Um, you increase any ability score by one up to a maximum of twenty, and you gain one skill proficiency, one tool proficiency, and fluency in one language of your choice. This is really great for those skill monkeys out there, people yeah. who want to become the master of all. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're tacking this on to somebody who's already a bard or a rogue, you know, increasing your skill diversity is great. This is also great if you don't have that person in the group and you got a small group in. Your group doesn't have a, a very versatile uh, skill set to choose from. And if you've got the DM that is throwing, you know, uh, lockpicking at you and you don't have a rogue, you right. know, maybe the wizard decides, you know, I think that I should uh, I should probably study a little bit of this. Maybe it'll help us get through some of these doors that we keep right. barging into people's houses, you know. Um, and so it's a really good way to kind of uh, cover up those weaknesses. Yeah. Or just you now you want to pick locks because why the hell not? Right. Very cool. The next feat we have is called Second Chance. It's a prerequisite for the Halfling. Fortune favors you. You gain the following. How come Fature, uh, feet, Fortune, fortune favor all, anyone else? Yeah, how come it always favors the Halfling and, you know, and his friends? Yeah, no shit. Uh, you get to increase your Dex Con or your Charisma score by one and to a maximum of 20. I like that they give you options. Yeah. That may, it makes it more versatile to the different classes, which is pretty cool. When a creature you can see hits you with an attack roll, you can use your reaction to force that creature to re-roll. Once you use this, you must you can't do it again until you finish a short or long rest. Oh, oh, you hit you you oh you crit me? Uh, no, no, you didn't. Right. <laughs> Being able to turn uh, a success into a failure or even a crit into a non-crit is the difference between a TPK and 
or just a death in or general. Or just your death. Yeah. yeah. I mean, being able to change that is all the difference, especially as a healer. If you're like the healer and you're really low and this could be the difference between you getting everybody back up to life and or the group wiping. So very cool. I really like this one. Uh, I don't think it's as quite as good as the halfling one, but or the... The lucky one. The lucky one, luck, yeah. right. But still, being able to turn a crit into a non-crit or a hit into a miss is pretty awesome. Yep. So next is Squat Nimbleness, which <laughs> can be used by dwarves, gnomes, or halflings. Increase your strength or dex by 1 up to 20. Increase your walking speed by 5 feet. And you gain proficiency slash expertise in the acrobatics or athletics skill. It, it's just kind of useful in general. I mean, it makes you quicker, gives you a little boost to either your dex or your strength, and... You're more nimble as in terms of you can jump. You can either you're better a jumper or doing flips and shit. Yeah, if you're a monk, this is a really good one to take. Monk I think. rogue. Um, uh, I like my monks to do ridiculous things for no reason, and sometimes that would cause the DM to institute checks because I'm saying I'm doing something even though technically, mechanically, my character's just walking. But I would say that I run and I somersault and flip and spin and then punch the guy or karate chop him or kick him in the face. Right. And like, yeah, you're going to need to give me a, a acrobatics check for that or an athletics check. Double proficiency is a big fuck you to the DM. <laughs> How do you think about that? Um, I really like this because anytime you can, it encourages um, creative uh, engagements, whether it's trying to scale a wall or climb a roof or shimmy across the side of an edge of a inside of a volcano with stalactites as the uh as the platforms you know with lava just a foot below you you know anytime you can double your athletics and acrobatics that's amazing okay so this next one's a bit long it's called wonder maker and it's used by the rock gnome and you smurf nebula yeah you become kind of a master tinkerer and you increase your dex or intelligence by one up to 20 Anytime you make a check using proficiency with tinker tools, you add you basically get us you essentially get expertise in the tinkerer's tools. And whenever you make a device with your tinker tool trait, you have the uh, following additional options. So you can make an alarm, which it whenever someone moves within 15 feet of it, um, <laughs> it makes a really loud <laughs> ringing sound. And then there's the calculator, which you know what a calculator does. A lifter. Uh, it can be used as a block and tackle, allowing you to hoist things five times the weight you can normally lift. A timekeeper, which is a pocket watch. And a weather sensor, which when you use it as an action, it predicts the weather conditions in a one-mile radius over the next four hours, showing one symbol, clouds, sun and moon, rain or snow for each hour. I really think if you're the type of DM that uses weather to uh, affect your characters... This really could be a very useful feat because it can they can if you're constantly throwing hail at them or thunder and lightning and rain and you know all these different uh, blizzards. This is a good way for them to avoid some of that shit right. you're throwing at them. Like oh, there's a storm coming. We need to get inside and get our stuff set up now so that it doesn't and bite us. And as a DM, you could really work with your if you know your player takes this feat, the timekeeper one putting them in situations where that really makes a difference because hey guys we're running out of time not well 
you think you, about an hour has passed, you think you run out of time. No, uh, <laughs> 43 minutes has passed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we got time. You know, so I definitely think that this is a, bo- a good opportunity for both players and DMs uh, with the different stuff that they can create, whether it's the calculator, making them go into, you know, business and have them bust this thing out and start click, 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 click. Um, you're off about 30 cents. Like 30 copper. I just picture, picture him pulling out like a giant abacus. <laughs> <laughs> slide everything across so yeah. i definitely i like th- i like that because it gives you a lot of little things that you can uh, the tinker trade i think is kind of underused too it's it's a really yeah. cool thing because it doesn't offer very many combat mm-hmm. effects. like i like the one that allows you to start fires it's basically like a lighter or something mm-hmm. like that and it's just like i want it to be a little toy soldier that shoots fire out the end and just lights like campfires and shit <laughs> <laughs> like hagrid's umbrella moving on to the last feat it is wood elf <laughs> magic that's weird. You think they had to come out with a little bit better name than that? Yeah. You learn the magic of the primeval woods. You learn one druid cantrip of your choice. You also learn long strider and pass without a trace, which is awesome. Yes. Each of which you can cast once without expending spell slots. You regain the ability to cast the spell in this way when you finish a long rest. Wisdom is your spell casting modifier for these. Again, just gives you some extra spells that you have access to. Gives you a cantrip and two spells that you can cast without using a spell slot. I would totally take this as a monk. If yeah. I was a wood elf monk, I would take it because... Or any I, type of class that relies on stealth. Well, because uh, I'm thinking specifically because uh, the thorn whip. Oh, okay. The cantrip thorn whip allows you to drag people to you. from not pull people 10 feet. I think that would be a lot of fun being able to drag people around like Spider-Man th- the whip and like pull them towards you yeah. and drag them off cliffs and shit. So. Yeah. So that wraps up our main topic for today, the Unearthed Arcana dealing with racial feats. Uh, there's some pretty cool ones in there. Check them out. Yeah. Try them out. See what you like. See what you don't. Let us know. Yep. So uh, before we move on to our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, we have one more gift to give away. Thanks to another of our fellowship members, Lore Smith, all of Crit Nation has another wonderful chance to win a prize each and every week. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting some colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their very first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one you're not going to want to miss. Yeah, absolutely. This, uh... This week's winner is the Art Wench. Congratulations to the Art Wench. You are this week's winner of the Claws of Madness. If you like it, head on over to Loresmith and let them know. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, um, yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, so that so. brings us to our final segment, our unearthed tips and tricks. So first, we have our character concept of the podcast, the intimidating rogue. <laughs> this was one of my players in one of my games. Really? Yes, he built a strength-based rogue, hmm. and his character thought he was stealthy. He wasn't really though. Like he would walk around with the short swords. So in reality, he was just like a really bad rogue. Yeah, so he would, <laughs> he would be sneaking, sneak, sneak, sneak. Give me a stealth check. You got a six. Somebody spot you, and he would say, you do not see Gorik. And he'd just keep on walking. 
It was so stupid because his whole premise was that he would just intimidate people to leaving him alone. So he would use his very high charisma to scare people yeah, off. Yeah, okay. Or he would break stuff. You know, like he'd turn and he'd smash a table or something. He said, you do not see Grok! <laughs> Stupid shit like that. It's a very, it was very different. It was very fun. And when he picked locks, he didn't use his decks. He smashed and broke them <laughs> instead of trying to pick them. And that was his character concept. And was it the best rogue? No, but it was fun. Fun as hell. And it was great for our one shot that we did. Um, obviously, he wasn't super fantastic at his... His job because he completely built his character bro- uh, based on Poorly. strength. Yeah, <laughs> but it was an actual very fun character yeah. to to watch and to play with because everyone would turn. All right, can you pick the lock? Rook, break the lock. He grabbed the back of his blade and start smashing on it <laughs> with the blunt end of his blade. You know, and they're like, "I picked it for you." <laughs> So that was his whole character concept. What do you think about that? I like it. It's fun. Is there anything you think you would add to that? Don't get me wrong. He had a very high charisma. Did he? Yeah. That was his primary stat was charisma. Hmm. It's like an 18. <laughs> well, yeah, I would <laughs> think that like even that like not maybe I would probably if I was playing this not even like if you asked me for a stealth roll like not even rolls. No, I fail. It's like make me fail. Like <laughs> I'm not like I'm trying. I'm not being sneaky. Yeah, stomping around. Yeah. Well, there was one time. It was one he went. He was sneaking upstairs into a uh, of a, uh, a noble's building uh, or a noble's house, and he was supposed to sneak in and steal something and come out. He walks in, starts lighting the torches so he can see. <laughs> the guards come and get him. What are you doing in here? Grok stealing this. <laughs> Do you have a problem with that? Because if you don't, I got something with your name. And he had a blade that he pulled out. It was always caked in blood and guts. Uh, okay. He didn't use it for fighting, but he just showed it to people. He'd be like. Do you got a problem with that? <laughs> and uh, they still sound the alarm, but he would have them dead pretty quick. He wasn't super efficient at it, but it was a really fun class to, to, to see. I don't know how well he would do long term in a build, probably not. But for a probably level, get killed pretty quick. Yeah, <laughs> but for a level three one shot, he actually did still pretty good on the damage. Right. So it was it was it was uh, it was fun. I liked it. The intimidating rogue. Yeah, <laughs> you don't see Grok. <laughs> Next is the monster variant, the Vice Jaw Crocodile. The origin for this is the alligator. You know alligators and crocodiles are different, right? Yeah. Okay. Hence the very bad joke that I just said. Okay, well, because it says death roll, it's alligators that do that. You know what, fucker? That's why it's called a gator roll. Oh, well. (laughs) I didn't know that crocodiles didn't do that. I don't think that. But I knew there's a difference. I know that there's a difference between them. I I don't know what the difference is. Um, They're snouts. Really? Um, alligators have very pointy snouts. Crocodiles have really round ones. I do know that because I watched Crocky. I the mean, time. like in terms Crikey. of like what they are as creatures, I don't really know what's yeah. different about them. They look different. Yeah, like, <laughs> That's like I don't really know the difference between an iguana and a Komodo dragon. Yeah, size. <laughs> My old neighbor used to have an iguana. They get very big. It was ter- I was terrified of that thing. <laughs> Why? It was I was baby, little. Baby, I was l- baby dragon. Man. I was little, and it was this big, and it would get out. <laughs> the tails hurt like hell when they whip you. And when so I grew up in the house I grew up in, my bedroom had a window, and there was this big, beautiful birch tree right outside of my window. One day I woke up, looked out the window, and that thing was just fucking staring in the window. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Uh, yeah, no, uh, we had an iguana, and I love the little thing. It's yeah. pretty. Uh, 
It hurt like hell when it whipped me with its tail, though. It really yeah, did. Yeah, the thing hurt. I don't remember what its name was, but it ran away Igor. for good. It ran away for good one day, and I was I'd never been more happier. <laughs> Ours was Igor because that neighbor was also my best friend, so I was over there all the time. And it was it'd be in the cage. <laughs> that, mother, that damn thing is watching me again. It'd be in its tank, and I'm just like it's it's watching. <laughs> anyway, so the monster variant is Vicejaw Crocodile. The origin is the crocodile. Yes. It's turn grappled with the creature in its jaws and makes the attack with an additional plus four attack bonus against the grappled creature. If the attack misses, the target still takes half damage. Yeah, so this is a way to ensure that they do damage before they die, essentially, because right. they don't have a lot of HP. I well, think they have like 18 health or something. And it kind of makes sense because we need to think about it. If you're being grappled by a crocodile, Fucking it means hurt. it's biting you. <laughs> right. That's going to hurt. Like... What? <laughs> like, okay, even if it tries to like swipe at you with its claws or something and it misses, it's still biting you. Right. So that was kind of an addition. And the idea was that once it's already bit you, it's it should succeed its chance to hurt you, right? Right. Um, for full damage. So you obviously follow the normal stat block, but these are just features you add to it. The next thing is the death roll. Now, once again, I'm in a grappler thing right now, so of course I had to add something that had to deal with grappling. So it also gets the death roll feature, which is if this creature has a creature grappled for at least two turns, it can use its bonus action to enter a death roll. Both creatures are restrained and make a dex, uh, DC 13 strength saving throw or uh, throw and take 2d6 plus 2 damage on a failed save or half as much on a success. So the monster makes well. it too, okay. Because yeah. I, I considered both ways, and I was trying to think about that, like the action economy, and if he's going to get two attacks in one turn, um, there needs to be some sort of drawback to that. Right. Obviously, one is that he has to already have them grappled for two turns, which means they have to fail their check twice in order for this to happen, and then it's kind of a last-ditch last effort type thing, but it also restrains the monster. So mm. it definitely is literally a death roll, but this probably could kill a low-level character very easily, so be careful. <laughs> or at least, at the very least, knock him unconscious. Yeah. I th- I do just see this thing popping up, attacking somebody, and then dragging them under the swamp water. Yeah. And watching them drown. <laughs> so that is our monster variant, the Vice Jaw Crocodile. Our encounter of the podcast is Kami's Bathhouse. Kami as in, like, Nihonganese? I don't know. Uh, I watch Dragon Ball Z a lot, yeah. and Kami House is where they go for a reprieve. Huh. Um, so, yeah, that's just the name that I came up with, God's Bathhouse. Yeah. And so... This rare and refreshing hot spring is said to be heated by the fire of a dragon's breath and provide mystical healing properties. After relaxing for one hour, a creature's wounds begin to heal and they recover up to half their total HP. Additionally, they lose one level of exhaustion. The creature can only gain this effect once a day. The creature is already fully rested and has no exhaustion. They gain temporary hit points equal to the maximum number of one hit die. People who know of this area understand that there is an unspoken parlay that always exists here. This mysterious bathhouse can be a single place in the world or something found in many various locations, exotic or otherwise. A fantastic opportunity to create lore and history for those players who like it. Now, this is obviously different than the normal types of encounters we have. Right. Um, I decided that when I was building the encounter, uh, I was doing some work with Chris from Loresmith, helping him develop his uh, remarkable inns. And we have a lot of... A lot of my content is in there, too, which is exciting. But this was one of those things. And I really like the idea of having an encounter when they're just they're adventuring and they stumble across something like this. Maybe it's something they knew was there, or maybe it's a magical bathhouse that just moves around. Yeah. Uh, like, a, like a floating island or something like that. kind of makes me think of a... 
in the Pokemon Ruby, Diamond, and Sapphire. Diamond? Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald generation. That like little like spring that you could go into and it healed all your Pokemon. I don't remember that. I can't remember. I the didn't name play of the town, those ones. But that like, oh, okay, never mind. I played the fire red and the leaf green, and I played blue, red, and yellow. And I'm now just playing uh, X and Y. Sun. Oh, okay. I have Sun because oh. you have X too. I do. Yeah. yeah I. I well, that. I got the. I. I got that Game Boy like a week before I got the new stuff. Oh. So okay. I haven't even actually played X yet. But, gotcha. Yeah. Um. But yeah. No. This idea for this this encounter is something. It. Can, it's a good opportunity for you to drop this into your campaign and create a, a lore-driven thing. Maybe because there's a this is considered a place of parlay. Maybe they stumble across two warring faction kings, discussing some sort of treaty. Mm-hmm. You have a weird look on your face. Mm, no. Oh, it's just always weird. Never mind. Um, or um, a couple rival uh, races. You know, maybe you've got some kobolds in some. Uh, a halfling village and they've come here for this reprieve and you start to learn a little bit about what's going on in that area because of the uniqueness of this bathhouse or this it doesn't have to be a bathhouse that's just what i call it yeah but. well and, and you could use that kind of thing to kind of create an adventure hook maybe someone breaks that parlay Ooh. maybe yeah you know maybe there are two kind of rival people here and one of them kills the other one and it creates this big thing. And that could be an entire adventure hook just yeah. from this one little little thing. Yeah, and it's, like I said, it's just a nice little bath and it allows you... And I, I, did, like the, I did like that it removes an additional uh, level of exhaustion because really that's something that's very difficult to get away uh, to, to deal with. So your barbarian will be very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that is our encounter of the podcast, Kami's Bathhouse. Our magic item of the podcast is the Reigns of the Mount Master. This is a very, very simple magic item. Yep. You place it on a beast with an int less than four, and it becomes uh, an enchants it to be... Uh, it has to have an int less than four, or it just says any beast? Yeah, I. it's supposed to have oh, an okay. int less than four. I didn't put it on there, because if your gotcha. beast is too smart, it's not going to work. Yeah. So basically, all this is is a superior-made golden leather in reins that are enchanted. So any beast with an intelligence of four or less, um, just slap it on there, and it becomes a mount for one d twelve hours. Yes, and the I didn't really put an expiration on this item, how long it could last, or how often you could do it. I would assume that once every dawn would probably be more than enough. But it's a really good way to get out of sticky situations when you need to get out of somewhere fast. I envision like somebody like a uh like a scout or something having something like this. Yeah. Where they're normally out on foot but they find something in an emergency and they have to get out. Or, you know, maybe the group just has one and decides to randomly tame a beast. Yeah. You know, and they hold on to it for a while. Whether that's just a and this idea is to make it just a mount, but maybe you got a person that's taken that mount feat and they can just they can mount any beast that they can find. That's big enough. I really think that'd be fun like a halfling. Because then really anything medium or bigger could be control could be mounted. Yeah. So it's a pretty simple one. Yeah. So that is our magic item of the podcast, the Reigns of the Mount Master. So our dungeon master tip comes from a, a listener, uh Chad Christie. He actually had a very interesting idea. I haven't confirm i've never done this so this is very interesting to me 
apparently, obviously, the amount of stuff that we write down and the maps that we draw and all these very intricate uh, things that we use paper for, uh, he mentioned that if you go to your local newspaper stand, you can get what's called a remnant roll for free. What a remnant roll is, it's a piece of newspaper section, it's a big roll that was cut too short for them to use for the printings. Hmm. So what he did, and he actually sent me a picture of it, is it's at the end of his table on a roll, and he just pulls it over like butcher paper onto his table, and everybody can just write right on that. They can keep track of their hit points and any items they get, and then at the end they can transfer their stuff to their character sheets without having to do a lot of erasing and corrective uh, corrections. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, it's great for drawing maps. Uh, he just slides it out, scribbles on it, and then tears it off when he's done. Right. Um, it's great if your players are messy eaters and make crumbs everywhere because you can just roll it all up Little and throw it all the way. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was really uh, interesting. He says it's great for them uh, trying to solve puzzles because it gives them a nice space to write on and explain their ideas. Um, great for developing strategies. I really haven't tested this but it definitely sounds like it could be a lot of fun and if it's free hey i'm willing to give it a shot and in fact that's on my to-do list to find the place nearby to see if i can do this because i mean when we say newspaper it's like two foot wide right i mean it's a big piece of paper but it's just shy that it doesn't make the standard standardization of the printing press and if it's anything like my work this one thing that they do is make a lot of mistakes regularly so um if you've done this or you've used this um let us know what you think. Uh, I'm definitely interested, and I'm probably going to see if I can poke around because I think that would be uh, a yeah, nice. I'm not sure show. where the Herald prints out of. It's Mount Morris and Clio. Yeah, I don't know. I know their Grand Blank View. I know where that's well, at. There's the Flint Blank. Journal too downtown. Yeah, so there's a couple places we could probably go. I'm going to probably give them a call just to check, and I, I meant yeah, to do that before. Rolls? I know that. Yeah. But I think that's very interesting. So, and he, like I said, he sent me a picture of it, and it looked really cool. It was a clever idea. Um, it saves him from having to buy a bunch of paper all the time. Yeah. You know, he draws on it for his maps and then gets rid of it, you know? So that is our Dungeon Master tip. Thanks to Chad Christie, the newspaper remnant roll. Our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. You can avoid dickitude by accepting limitations. Yep. DMs are going to put restrictions on things as part of their own campaign setting. You know, sometimes they'll want you to not take certain races or classes, feats, spells. Maybe they want you to play good characters or lawful characters, evil characters, neutral characters. Sometimes it depends, you know. The, every campaign is going to call for different limitations right. and restrictions. So before you get committed to a character concept, ask your DM if there are any limitations on that. So before you even build your character, say, hey, is there any? do you want us to be a certain... Uh, alignment? Do you want any specific races? Are we allowed to use Unearth Arcana? Are we allowed to roll for our stats, or do we yeah. have to take the point by system exactly. or the standard array? And then instead of like <laughs> complaining about what the DM has in place, you know, if you think that he maybe isn't doing it in the be- best, most conducive way, have a discussion about it. Don't bitch and whine. Just right. talk to him about it. Ask him. Yeah, maybe so. there's a reason why he doesn't want right. that. If he doesn't want tieflings in his damn game. Well, maybe tieflings don't exist in his world, so right. that's or you know, and maybe. But you can you can you can have a discussion with your DM and right. have them. Hey, well, can, is there any way we can make it so that I can get some of these features right. if it's not a tiefling? Especially if you you know maybe he says no, you can't do this because it would interfere with this part of my campaign. But you can think of a way to make that not make those things not clash. M- mention that, right? And and I actually think that. While I'm not a fan of restrictions, I do understand that it forces people to try new things and get creative. Yes. 
if I always play a tiefling and now I'm joining a campaign that doesn't have tieflings, well, now I'm pushed out of my comfort zone. If I'm in a place where there's very low magic and I love to play a wizard, I can't play a wizard no more. Right. So either now I'm not going to join the campaign instead of bitching to the DM about it, I'll go find another group or I'll maybe I'll actually try something different. Right. I know that's asking a lot of players to try and be different. Mr. Rogue sitting across from me. Hey, when was the last time I played a rogue? <laughs> the last time we played, I think, right? No. I played a fighter. Oh, you, no, you a played paladin. a paladin. paladin. You played a paladin in the trials. Did, but anyways. First time playing a paladin, too. Was it? What'd you think? I liked it. You liked the Divine Smite? I, I think you beat the guy with your Divine Smite, yeah, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, fucked him up. Yeah, Divine Smite is... <laughs> if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, Divine Smite is one of the highest DPR yeah. abilities in the game. Pretty, Especially if you cross-multiply... Uh, cross-class. If you uh, multi-class into Warlock and get your spell slots back after short rests... You become that much more deadly. So, don't be a dick. There, DMs are allowed to set limits. Um, it does help if you just ask the question, why is the limit there? Because it may be he just doesn't like it. Well, then you're shit out of luck. But they may be willing to work with you and rearrange some of the stats and attributes so that you can uh, still use some of those features. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if I like to be a Goliath. You know, I like the Goliath because I like the powerful build which increases my gra- grappling efficiency. So maybe he says I can work with him and I'm just a human or a dwarf and can rebuild it to get those features. Mm-hmm. You know, so that is our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a dick. dick. You can avoid dickitude by accepting limits. Yes. Please join us on our next episode where we'll hear feedback from you guys, our heroes. We'll be discussing creating custom class options. Yes, I'm really excited for this one. If you, if you have any feedback, any ideas for our honor tips and tricks topics you'd like us to discuss or any questions please send them to us you can email us at critacademy at gmail.com or you can find us at twitter and facebook at crit academy we hope you've enjoyed your experience here at the crit academy if you did you can help others find our show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on itunes also be sure to give us a like and a share and be sure to subscribe to our show at critacademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures as well as put your name into the drawing for to win cool prizes every week. You will also find links to our fellowship members there as well. Yes, you will. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your host, Ryan. Thanks for listening. Keep, Keep your, your blade, blade sharp and spells prepared, prepared heroes. heroes.